0: magic door. Magic doors. They say that we are irrational people. They say that magic is dead. Today on Snap Judgment, I'm here to tell you that they lie. This week, we bump up against the inexplicable and look behind those magic doors when the walls are closing in, when there's no more air left to breathe. That's when people sometimes discover they still have one more card left to play. Take for example our next guest, Tahir Shaw. Tahir Shaw flips the script because sometimes the magic just comes to you. But other times, you have to go looking for the magic.
1: I was living in a, a tiny apartment in London and very, very miserable because the bad weather, the bad food, everything was was miserable. And I knew that had to be something better. There had to be a a greener, more wonderful sort of landscape to live in. And I had a a little toddler, a daughter of two and a half, Ariane, and my son had just been born. I felt this terrible oppression, partly because of the terrible expense of London. But then it ran deeper than that. I got this feeling of A huge burden on my shoulders and responsibility and I was just overloaded and overstressed with the situation and the the baby was crying and I felt like an old faithful, huge geezer and I exploded and I jumped on a chair and I punched my right arm up in the air and I shouted, we're leaving, we're leaving all of this behind us and we're going to find a new life in Morocco. was the moment of snap judgment. It was the moment that defined the next four or five years.
0: As a child, Tahir had visited Morocco, but really knew nothing about living there. Yet, when he made this snap judgment, his universe began to shift. Things started falling into place by purest chance, an old acquaintance. Made to hear a proposition.
1: She said, "I own a house in, in Casablanca. It's in a shanty town, but it's a magical mansion, a huge house. And she said, if you make a decision really fast, I can sell it to you for for almost nothing. So I flew down to Casablanca and." looked at this place and it's called the Khalifa, which means the Caliph's house. It had been boarded up for nine years and all around it is this seething, frenetic, shantytown, a mixture of donkeys and goats and geese and people and shacks made of tin. And um, it really looked like the end of the world. I just, I just, I just couldn't believe it. What does it smell like? It smells of manure always and a little bit of sewage because it's been raining a lot and the sewers have burst and to me that's fabulous it's the kind of life that you could never even hope hope to have in northern europe i mean this is the real world and that's why i'm so passionate about it and from the moment i set eyes on the shantytown and the house in the middle of it i was bitten by something by this feeling that I had to embrace this life, which had arrived to us through making that snap judgment. So I called the lady who was in in England uh, on my cellular phone, and I said, I've decided, whatever it takes, I want to live in this house.
0: As little as Tahir knew about living in Morocco, his wife knew even less, wanted to know less than that. She thought he was crazy. But he begged her. He begged her, baby, please, baby, baby, please. Give me a chance and I'll make this a dream come true.
1: Over a couple of years, we renovated the house. It's it's quite big and there are sort of 35 or 40 rooms and there are stables and gardens and courtyards filled with fountains, and the sound of birds singing. It's really the most magical house in the world. But the problem was, because it had been boarded up for nine years, in... Um, like in Europe, or maybe the United States, if a house has been empty you get squatters, people homeless people go and live there and it's hard to get them out, but in Morocco you don't get squatters you get gin, genies, and everyone believed that the house was filled with these terribly dangerous spirits and that it was far too dangerous for human habitation, so the guardians who came with along with the house, they were sort of thrown in for free, these ancestral guardians. They told us it's far too dangerous to actually live in the place because you'll be killed by these spirits. And you'll be killed. Well, of course, the guardians and everybody else believes you'll actually be swallowed whole in the night by these huge evil spirits. We call them genies in the West and and... I'm sure everyone listening is thinking of I Dream of Genie and Larry Hagman and all of that. But in Arab society, genies aren't anything like that. These are poltergeists. So we had to hold a huge exorcism to relieve the house of its spirits, to clean it, to cleanse it. And gosh. In London or New York, I wouldn't know where, where to start finding exorcists. But in Morocco, it's pretty damn easy to, to track down some exorcists. I found a brotherhood of exorcists called the Esawa brothers. And there are 24 of them. And their fathers have been exorcists. And their grandfathers and their great-grandfathers. And I felt when I hired them, it cost like four or $500 to hire them. I felt as if I was tapping into, like, a mysterious, magical bedrock of Morocco. And it was very exciting, but at the same time, these exorcists started, in a way, to kind of destroy the house. It was a little bit like Ghostbusters, if anyone remembers that scene in the hotel, where they go in to get the ghosts, and they end up setting fires at the hotel and, and destroying a lot of it. And it was a bit like that, the, the exorcists, covered the house in milk and salt, which wasn't so bad. And then they killed a goat and dissected it and swallowed its gallbladder and ripped out its intestines and covered the house in its blood and entrails. And I kept saying to my wife, Regina, look, this is It'll be okay, these guys know what they're doing, they're professionals. And the exorcism went on for three, two days and then three days. And all the while, they were, they were crazy, drumming 24 exorcists. Mad, frenzied guys, swallowing their own blood and biting their arms. And it was like something I'd never imagined, let alone seen before. And they left us with a house that was squeaky clean of spirits. And that's where we've been ever since. And I tell you that while I'm sitting here, I'm sitting in my beautiful library. The shelves are made out of very, very fine cedar wood. And when I sit here, and I sit here very often pondering the move here and the, the decision that came about to bring us here, I thank God that I listened to the snap judgment in the first place. I listened to my heart and not my head. And it was my heart that was saying, Leave all this in London and just give me a chance and I won't let you down.